Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning, Bob Sikoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show with you until the top of the hour. Hope you're having a good Sunday. we got a lot of questions, a lot of stuff ready to go. And joining us for this show, we start with Chuck Crosby, the Crosby Law Offices. You can reach Chuck at 499-6360. Good to see you, Mr. Crosby. Good morning, Mr. Sikoler. Good morning. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service. They come in as a team. They do a great job. You can reach Brad and his team at 844-411-TEAM. Hello there, Brad. Good morning, folks. My son Greg is busy working again even this morning, so he won't be joining us on the air. But we have got a lot to go for, so let's rock and roll, shall we? Let's start with an inspection question, and there's so many that keep coming in. We're doing this as a COVID show. So what that means is, continuing, is we are on Zoom. We record them on Zoom, upload them to YouTube, and you can see it at any time, LouisvilleAnswers.com. If you want to see the show, LouisvilleAnswers.com. All right. Terry, he writes in and says he has a problem with his wife. Apparently, a bag of ice was starting to melt. His wife, Lucy, put the melting bag of ice in the upright freezer. They left the house for a week. They came back to find the ice apparently had opened the door with all the meat that was in there. Hundreds of dollars of meat spoiled because the door was open. Lucy swears the the door was closed when she left and the ice bag must have melted and opened the door. Terry is saying maybe not. Maybe Lucy forgot to close the door and that's why the meat spoiled. So she's asking home team, does ice in a bag shift and could it open an upright door of a freezer wow i this this is the first question i've had where i'm actually a marriage counselor yes or a referee so hey let's so if we stick to the science of it the, yep. the first thing is we know that water expands when it freezes right it's one of the only elements that will actually expand so uh-huh. is it possible that the bag of water was put in close to the door and then expanded as it froze and pushed it open maybe or did the bag as it was dropped in and over time as it settled, as it froze, it rolled up against the door? Maybe. I'm going to I'm gonna stop my answer right there because I'm yeah. afraid a, a call is going to come into my office. Uh, Unless, uh, tomorrow. Chuck, do you have an opinion on this tomorrow, by chance? I have four freezers. Yeah. And I cannot imagine this happening because of a bag uh, improperly placed. Okay, so you're, you're siding with carry the door what may not have ever been closed yeah, somebody uh, just didn't shut it right i got it okay we move on chuck here's a question for you anush writes in that he's selling his home he received a contract on it but the contract says that if the buyer fails to get a loan or if the home fails inspections the buyer gets good faith money back and he seems says that seems pretty unfair and he says why are the contracts written that way how would you uh, respond to that uh, because it's eminently fair. It's what you agreed to. Um, that's why. A contract isn't something that you are forced into agreeing. So by definition, it's fair. You agreed to it. Um, however, why do they do that? Uh, because you know, there's things that are beyond our control sometimes. Anush, I would respond. The Board of Realtors in Louisville uh, have hired attorneys to write the board contract. They're all the same. 
if you change anything in the contract, you red, raise a red flag. Am I correct? About, not only will you raise a red flag, but as agents, we are instructed never to change the wording of those illustrious attorneys. You're not supposed to. Right. You are required to put fill in the blanks. That's what you're allowed to do. That's it. So if yeah. Anush is not happy with the contract, what would you suggest for Anush to do? Well, there's nothing to do once you've agreed to it. Um, if when the next contract comes through, you, you don't want to do it that way, uh -huh. you can ask for a non-refundable deposit um, and they can say no. It's, uh, I think yeah. this is pretty much standard everywhere, isn't it? You've, it is you've pretty much. Yeah, and, I, and I'm licensed in Southern Indiana as well, Yed. Yeah. It's pretty much, there's different amount of teeth but for the most part, the contracts favor the buyers. That's the way it is. It's for any buyer who's going to go forward. You have the option of pulling out on inspections, but a little tighter now than it was yeah. at the beginning now, of the year. Right. Yeah. I was, yeah. was going to say, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been such a seller's market that, you know, you could have said, I would like a non-refundable deposit. And there were many deals that went through that way, but you know, it is what it is. We move on. Uh, this one, Brad Lawler, comes from barney he sent us an email he says it's not his real name we'll, you'll see why it's not his name in a second he says he wanted to enlarge his basement footprint for a family room he removed a pole in the basement to expand his entertaining area he did it without a problem he says it's just perfectly fine but he just read recently that it's illegal to move a pole without getting some sort of permit could he have a problem down the road well yeah he certainly could uh th this is something he's going to want to talk to a structural engineer about um the problem that he's going to have over time is that the weight on the floor above could could deflect uh the beam that it's sitting on and it may not it may be imperceptible but it could have already moved i mean i'm sure that once he removed that 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 pull that column that the weight did did drop on that uh you know, uh, cause more more deflection in that uh, in that beam. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that could could potentially be a problem that could potentially create other structural issues around the house. He was going to know it. Uh, probably first evidence is going to be as he starts getting cracking in drywall on probably the uh, the, the the floors above it um, is where he's going to note it. Uh, eventually, he may end up you know noticing a, a bit of a of a dip in the floor, but chances are that the first evidence is going to be in the uh, drywall. Got it. Cracks and tape uh, coming open. Yeah. Consult with an engineer. Uh, legal yes. wise on this, Chuck, anything you want to add to this for him not uh, having pulled a permit? Well, not pulling a permit for something that requires it can create a problem. Obviously, that's something that uh, is going to come up when you try and sell the house. If you don't tell people about it and problems arise, well, you've got that liability. Uh, I'm just thinking pulling a pole out of the middle of the uh, floor slash roof can, you know, if it causes damage, as in some kids sitting underneath of it, if it does go, well, that's a, that's a hefty lawsuit. Gotcha. We move on. Uh, we now have five ways to help you sell your home and just about guaranteed to help you find your next one before you close. Go to bobsellmyhome.com or sellmyhomebob.com dot com to read about it you'll fill out a form i'll call you we'll talk 
We move on. Tammy writes in, Chuck, this is for you, you and many others who may be uh, living with a uh, girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever. Tammy writes in, she may have made a mistake when she invited her boyfriend, Tony, to move into her new home with her. Apparently not getting along now, both Tammy and Tony. And she wants to think about showing him the door. Then he's claiming that he doesn't have to leave since He's changed his address legally to her location. I know you're not a divorce attorney there, Chuck, but in the letter of the law, does Tammy have the right to throw Tony out if she's not happy with him? No. She's got herself a tenant. What she's done is she's given up possession. If you look at ownership of real estate, uh, like having 10 sticks, allowing someone possession of your property is like giving them nine of them. You can't just tell them to get out. Um, if, you know, it's a tenant. That's what she's got. Now, what her agreement is with him is probably uh, not written down. So, uh, it'll be a little difficult to uh, come up and say, well, you're supposed to pay me X, et cetera, unless they did ha have the foresight to write it down, but I doubt it. They never do. Uh, so she's got to give him uh, some notice to get out 30 days. Uh, and that's 30 days from, let's say it was today. It'd be 30 days puts us into uh, next month and then to the end of the month before she could even begin that eviction. So if he doesn't that's move, if there's nothing saying that he can't stay, you know, it, and that's if there's absolutely no agreements as to how long, etc. Got it. So on the same path, but maybe a little different direction, if a boyfriend, girlfriend um, purchase a home together, your suggestion would be to have what in writing before moving forward and closing? Well, that's not necessarily going to help them out. I mean, it's not like you can get a pre prenup. Uh, you know, they aren't married. Uh, the laws related to dividing property uh, relate to married people getting divorced. Boyfriend, girlfriend, there's no laws related to splitting up. Uh, it'd be the same as if you and I bought a piece of property together. The, the suggestion is put it in writing, right? I mean, you want something in writing well, that has you know, teeth. Yeah. The, the problem lies in the fact, what are you going to put in writing? Yeah. Okay. This is a business. Uh, not really. Um, I mean, you can put something in there that if we break up, I'll move out. But, uh, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know that that's going to have a whole lot of teeth. Listen, it, if it's an inherently yeah. dangerous thing when people buy property together, buy or they cohabitate without some sort of agreement, I guess now, yeah, Tammy and yeah. Uh, Tony, yeah, you know, it sounds like you're trying to equate this into a prenup. And keep in mind, Kentucky's, you know, relatively speaking, fairly recent into the whole prenup game. Uh, used to be they didn't have any any weight in Kentucky uh, since I've been licensed. Now that's changed. Uh, but I'm not familiar with a prenup, a pre boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, it's, it's inherently dangerous when you do that. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, this week's topic, how to know when it's time to sell. We go over it in detail. You can sign up for the newsletter free of charge, no obligation. Go to welovelouisville.com. That's welovelouisville.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, some of the 20 landscaping mistakes that make home buyers walk the other way. That and 
more of your emails, questions. Chuck Crosby, the Crosby Law Offices, will continue with us. 499-6360. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 844-411-TEAM. You can reach me, Bob Sokoler, anytime on my cell phone. Love to help you come out. We could set up an appointment to talk about the procedures for listing and selling your home. And then no obligation for your charge if you want me to come out and talk. You can reach me at 376-5483. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. I'm Chuck Crosby, a real estate attorney here in Louisville with Crosby Law Offices. I've been practicing real estate law, fixing problems, and helping people for over 22 years. So if you're a buyer looking for advice, information, or professional closing services, call me. If you're a property owner, real estate professional, you have a problem, you just can't fix it, call me. If you're a landlord and you're having problems with your tenants, call me. Again, I'm Chuck Crosby with Crosby Law Offices. You can reach me at 499-6360. This has been a paid advertisement. Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, Kentuckiana's largest inspection company and the number one home team inspection service in the nation. Our unique team approach makes us fast. Multiple inspectors means efficiency. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, are trusted. We perform thousands of home inspections in Louisville and Southern Indiana each year. We're accurate. The team approach means multiple sets of eyes and overlapping duties. Fast, trusted, accurate. That's your home team advantage. In the real estate market, sellers and buyers have great expectations. And as a real estate agent, you take pride in fulfilling them. But some things are beyond your control. So what can you do? Choose Home Warranty of America's 13-month plans. HWA plans cover the home buyer against any breakdowns or repairs, keeping you and your clients safe from any covered claims. We offer comprehensive plans with competitive pricing, and our dedicated team will work with you every step of the way. To learn more, contact HWA today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I built the number one brokerage firm in New York City by marketing luxury homes to the most qualified buyers. What makes the difference today in your area? The same thing, custom marketing to the right buyers. In Louisville, the agents with the best marketing plan are Bob and Greg Sokola. Their personalized marketing sells more homes for more money. If they can't find the right buyer on your deadline, they will buy it. Get the best marketing for your home. Go to WeSellLouisville.com and put more money in your pocket. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sokola, Louisville Real Estate Show here with you till the top of the hour. And with us, Chuck Crosby, Crosby Law Offices, 499-6360. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 844-411-TEAM. And you can reach me, Bob Sokola, anytime on my cell phone, 376-5483, to help you guys get uh, on the market, sold, or just to talk about what the process is. We thank Barbara Corcoran for all of her help, her friendship and mentorship. Thank you, Barbara. If you're uh, getting your home ready to sell, there are some mistakes you can make when you are putting it uh, on the market in terms of landscaping, getting it ready out front. Some quick things to worry about. Large water features can turn off a number of buyers. They overwhelm the house. Invasive plants, they may look pretty, but they're definitely a turnoff. For home garden savvy buyers, since the plants can quickly take over a yard. Large trees are beautiful, but too many of them in front of your house, not so good. A huge lawn can turn off a buyer because they're thinking, I gotta mow that entire lawn. Uh, 
So maybe landscape and put in some rock features and garden beds. A poorly made fire pit speaks for itself. Too many annuals. That just means more work for the buyer. Dog urine spots speaks for itself. Lawn chemicals with more homeowners turning to organic ways to keep their landscaping lush and healthy chemicals such as herbicides, pesticides, fertilizers are a big no-no for some buyers if they see those lawn chemicals left out. Cracks in the concrete need to be looked at and addressed. Unconventional containers of a variety of things. Get rid of them, put them away. Messy yard, high-maintenance trees and shrubs, overspreading on landscaping, running into each other. Also, turnoffs for buyers. Pesky plants, a sloping yard, improper drainage, too much water on the property showing potential water stains. Brad will tell you that's a problem. Also, poisonous plants, damaged landscape features, and Lacking a color palette, or at least color at all, is another reason buyers walk the other way. All right. We move on now. Let's start with uh, this email. Hi, Bob, and the rest of the group. I'm an agent in town, Chuck. Have an unusual problem. Another agent in town wrote an offer on this agent's listing. The agent did not include this agent who's writing in. Let's call him Bill, uh, as uh, on the listing, and directed the list, the actual offer to the seller. The agent, calling him Bill, says it's his belief that either the agent and or the seller are trying to work around Bill on commissions. What are options? Uh, yeah, it sounds like we're we're running into some problem, but definitely ethical violations. And uh, if I were him, I'd make a phone call to a broker right quick. Or have his broker reach out to this yeah. person's broker to review. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't heard of that before, but it happens. Uh, I've I seen it a couple of times. Oh, it really? It always gets ugly. Wow. Yeah. And the person trying to, to poach always gets in hot water. Yeah. I don't know what the reasoning is, but okay. Birdie sent us an email. She wants her husband to change out the light fixture in the dining room, Brad. She says her husband is pretty handy, but... A friend of theirs says that changing the light fixture should be done by an electrician to prevent a chance of fire. And the friend says it's illegal for the homeowner to change out a lighting fixture. I've never heard of that. Let's talk about no. it. No. Yeah, I've never heard of, of uh, you know, homeowners are allowed to make uh, repairs to their home. Replacement of a, of a light fixture is pretty straightforward. Of course, you know, the, the electricians out there would remind those homeowners that there's a risk of injury or death. Um, if they don't know what they're doing around the electricity. So, but if he's, if he's handy, he understands it. The light fixtures themselves can be tricky because they have to be supported. Many of them are heavy and some of the lighter weight fixtures may not have even been secured uh, to anything other than the junction box up above. But when you when you go to larger lighting, heavier lighting, it, the box may not be sufficient to hold it up. That's probably where they may run into some risk of, damaging the fixture, hurting themselves, uh, pulling the junction box out of the uh, ceiling, which then is probably going to have the electrician come out. So, of course, if you're cutting off the power before you go in and, you know, make the electrical uh, disconnects and reconnects, then, you know, you should be safe. But, you know, you probably ought to know a little bit of something before you start uh, mucking about in the uh, the 
electrical junction boxes. Bertie, it may be worth talking to an electrician to uh, at least get some advice yeah. before you go forward. Sam has a problem, uh, Chuck. Uh, his dad died, left him the house. His wife took the deed to an attorney, and apparently the house is now in both Sam and his wife's name. They're both on the deed. Sam is worried that if he ever got a divorce from his wife, she would get half of the house. And he's wondering, isn't inherited property always staying with the person who inherited it and not the spouse? Ooh, we're asking a divorce question. Uh, despite the wonderful Brandenburg formulas and how to determine what's marital and whether it's conjoined, it, it, that's all out there. The, the issue is, yeah, uh, uh, inherited property is uh, technically non-marital with exceptions. Uh -huh. um, if you inherit, you know, a hundred bucks from dad and you put it in a joint bank account and you use that joint bank account for marital purposes and your wife's on that joint bank account, well, you just converted it. Uh, in my mind, you place a person on a deed, you just converted it. If my dad, uh, like my dad would ever have anything for me to inherit, uh, but if my children were to inherit, uh, yeah, my dad, the itinerant preacher, um, if my kids were to inherit a piece of property from me and then they put their spouse on the deed, well, that changes the nature from non-marital to marital in most circumstances. According to based away, I'm reading this, that Sam is saying that the wife took the deed to an attorney who put it in both of their, na their names without Sam's permission. Well, now that's not going to happen because you can't, I say you can't do it. Obviously forgeries occur. Obviously people will yeah. go and, and do that kind of stuff. Occasionally always get title insurance because that happens. Uh, but it, it's not, uh, you can't just take a deed to a lawyer and add your name to the deed. That's okay. not how that works. Uh, side note, I was watching one of the cable stations, and they're advertising the, the company that comes in, and for a fee, they make sure that you, the deed can't put in anybody else's name. I w when I read this question, I said, you know, th this reminds me of this commercial. We've talked about this once on the air before. Yeah. Do we need to investigate this at all, Chuck? It's easily done. You just get on uh, the computer and you get on the county clerk's website and look at the deed that's recorded. It will have to have both names. That's why it's kind of taking me aback a little bit. Uh, if I have a deed in my name alone, my wife just can't walk into an attorney's office and add her name. It would have to be a deed from me to actually be from me and her to me and her. Uh, so my signature would have to appear on that deed. Now, if somebody goes and they forge my name, well, you know, that happens. Uh, but like I said, there's a paper trail a mile wide. But this and forgery I, thing is the concern, though. That That's where this commercial is talking about. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What the, it, it's like a Google alert. Uh, whenever something's done at the county clerk's website, it sends you an alert. Yeah, uh, it's not a oh somebody just forged your name. It's saying oh this document was just recorded that has your name on it. You absolutely have in Jefferson County at least, and in many other counties, you can just get on the computer and look it up yourself right away. Plus, the county clerks, as a matter of fact, will offer that same uh, product. 
that they do themselves. Okay. All right. We move on. It was, it's an interesting, I think everyone's worried about, but it's the most important investment that we all own. And we're, I'm sure I'm worried that yeah. someone's going to take it out of my name, you know, and that, but, I, yeah. Yeah. But you know how many times I've seen that in 30 years? Yeah. My luck, it would be one uh, more maybe, time. Maybe yeah. three or three or four times. All right. Three or four times. Um, it's okay. not to say it's not happening. Yeah. Just with residential property, it's inherently more difficult than, say, on a commercial property. Got it. Tim is writing in that he's looking at new homes to buy with his wife, Lori. And he says as he, as he go went through the homes, they see that the electrical box there, some of the wires, here's that question we were talking about on this uh, bread mm-hmm. uh, have red coating of some sort yeah. on it and others don't. I had sent this to Brad earlier in the week because this is kind of unusual. He's curious. What do the yeah. red letters on wiring mean? Okay. So in that particular case, it was marked with red ink that said operator. I checked the national electrical codes handbook and there is no designation for operator on any of the wire guides. So my my hunch is is that at some point in the the construction of that home, you know, renovation of the home, that just happened to be a spool of wire that the electrician had with him, and it went in there. It might have been marked for another purpose for another project. You know, electricians oftentimes will use leftover product when they go into a house or into a building to wire it. So you know, there while there's a color coding standard that's used, like a white sheathing is for a 15 amp circuit. It. Um, it's a 14 gauge wire yellow sheathing when you see it in the house it's it's a 12 gauge wire it's for a 20 amp circuit but more often than not the electricians go by the actual gauge of the wire not the, the coating on the outside of it but the markings on wire will tell you whether you can do certain things with it like bury it underground so the the markings are important to understand but in that particular case i don't know what the word operator yeah meant. so if there's an electrician out there that that has seen that call in and let us know because uh, i couldn't find any any record of that particular uh type it's not in the code books it could be just a manufacturer's item or a project type item that was created yeah we had gotten a picture of it so let me just follow up for buyers who are walking through homes who may be concerned about a home built in the 50s 60s or 70s that may or may not have aluminum wiring is there a tip-off in what the sheathing looks like uh, so the buyer knows ahead of time uh um Okay, yes and no. So the thing you got to be careful about is if you if you happen to look into a receptacle, um, you can see it in an outlet or you can see it in, a, in an electrical panel. I do not advise you take off the, the dead front on yeah. the electrical panel, though, to, to, to see it. But what you're looking for is rather than seeing copper tip on it, you're going to see a silver colored tip. The problem is, is that there is a type of a wire called a tinned copper and what they do is they is they put a solder coating on the end of the copper so it looks like single strand aluminum wiring but it's not it's actually copper but you don't know it unless you 
uh, scrape off some of that tin. So you, the, it, the single strand is relatively simple to see. I mean, our, we're looking for, when we pull the dead front off where you can see the wire exposed, we're looking for those tips. Um, and we can see that it's, it's the strand aluminum because there's going to be some oxidation on it. It's a little bit dull in color versus the tinned copper, which tends to, to be a little bit shinier, but the, the, the cloth, uh, type of wire covering is one of the is one of the, the tip-offs that you might be looking for too um, but yeah you got to be careful we have a lot of home inspectors that call out tinned copper and say that it's single strand aluminum you know advise the electrician come in the electrician comes in and says no this is this is tinned copper you're you're okay so it, it is something that's a little bit gray particularly if you're not an experienced inspector but the electricians are going to know for sure and anytime an inspector finds single strand aluminum wiring we're advising that they talk to an electrician anyway because they'll want to make sure that outlets and and wire nuts are tight and secure they're not um, causing the, the the little bit of arcing which is where the heat builds up and the fires start got it all right we thank our folks with us today, Chuck Crosby, the Crosby Law Offices, 4996360. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service. And uh, you can reach Brad and his team at 844-411-TEAM. If you're thinking about selling your home, we have a free no-obligation booklet. It has hundreds of useful tips. If you want a copy, free again, no obligation, send me an email. Bob at WeSellLouisville.com. Put selling tips in the subject line, and I'll send that out to you. You can also reach me anytime on my cell phone, 376-5483. Guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for everybody being here. We'll see you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS.